0: our sermon series. We've been in a series called The Life You've Always Wanted by John Ortberg. He has written that book, and it's a book about spiritual disciplines. We've reviewed them. We started back in October. Uh, this book is a great resource to keep on your shelf, um, to pull out every once in a while. He has talked about in here, uh, if you're struggling with a certain sin or a certain area of life that maybe you need some help with, um, Finding the Right Spiritual Discipline to Help You Battle That and to maybe bring up something in your life. Um, How to Go About Doing That is one of those chapters. The study guide gives us some more information, and so I encourage you, pick one up if you haven't. Uh, But we are all the way in chapter 10 for the month of May, and it's called A Life of Freedom. A Life of Freedom. And we started by talking about approval addiction and how easy it is for us to be affected by praise or by criticism, how easy it is to become addicted to the opinions and thoughts of others, and how to break that off of our lives. And we talked about the practice of secrecy and doing good for others without them even knowing about it. Uh, that's one of the ways to help break that approval addiction off of our lives. And what an opportunity we have had over the last week to 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 do good for others. Now. Maybe it's hard to fire up the chainsaw in someone's yard and do that in secret, um, but do it anyway. Even if it can't be done in secret, uh, serve others, give of yourself without expecting anything in return. That's the way to break that off of our lives. And last week, I talked about sticking to our story, sticking to your story, and I used my story as a part of that. And we talked about how we have to let go of comparisons. We can't compare our lives with others and think, well, why, why is my heart life harder than that person? And I'm, I mean, I'm way smarter than them. Why are they getting promoted and I'm not? Or why is this my path? Uh, we have to keep our eyes on the Lord and know that He has got a pl- path and a plan for us and we need to let go of that. We need to let go of our expectations of how we think our life should go and just embrace how our life is going. And walk that out with the Lord, okay? And we we talked about not looking for the path of least resistance. And just because something looks good doesn't mean it is good. You know, just because we're offered a promotion doesn't mean that's the path we ought to take. And even though we think maybe we're more qualified for the promotion and it doesn't get offered to us, we have to trust that God is at work in our lives. And we commit to endurance and we commit to grow, letting Him shape our character through everything that happens in our lives. And so that's what we talked about last week. And today, I want to continue that conversation. And I titled today's message, Anchored in God's Story. So last week was stick to your story. And today, I want us to anchor ourselves in God's story. I believe God has always been writing a story. I believe this book is one continuous story of God's plan. He has never altered it. He has never changed it. I don't even believe the idea of new covenant means brand new. I believe there, there is no word in the Hebrew and Greek for something brand new, never seen before that differentiates it, something that's been renewed, if you will. So when we talk about a new covenant, I believe it's the covenant God has had all along. I just believe in Jesus. It's been renewed. I believe that when we have a new heavens and an earth, it doesn't necessarily mean this one has to be blown up. I mean, it could be renewed. I don't believe God has ever altered or changed his plan at all. And he has revealed it to us through his word. And he has called us to partner with him. He has always wanted to partner with human beings to fulfill his plan for this earth. And so when we talk about sticking to our story, we have to make sure that our story is caught up in his story or anchored in his story. I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase uh, defining humility the, it's, it goes this way. Humility is not thinking, thinking less of yourself. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Okay, let me say that again. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. We get so hung up on why our story isn't going the way we want it to go. And if we learn to anchor ourselves in God's story, then our story gets swallowed up in his story. And however our story goes, we embrace it because we're caught up in the greater narrative that he's always writing. When we live in the kingdom, learning to live in the kingdom is sometimes difficult. There's this tension, if you will, of the already and not yet Already, these things have been established in Christ Jesus. The work is finished, but yet we live in the tension where it's not quite finished. I'm fully justified in Christ Jesus, and yet I'm still being sanctified or working out my salvation, if you will, even though I've already been made perfect. I know by looking at my life and my responses and reactions and my life even just this last week, probably even just this morning, I know that my salvation hasn't been fully worked out yet. And so learning to live in this tension is part of that process. Last week we talked about learning to be content, as the Apostle Paul describes in Philippians chapter 4. But being content doesn't mean we don't strive for change. It doesn't mean we don't strive for increase. It doesn't mean we don't believe that God has something more. We know that the scripture tells us not to despise the day of small beginnings and not to get hung up on what fruit is being produced or not being produced because we can't produce the fruit, He produces the fruit. We're called to be faithful. But we also know that we serve the God that can do immeasurably more than anything we ask or imagine. I love the word that that Sarah shared with us this morning about just taking what we have and putting it in His hands knowing that He can take a little and make it huge. And living in the kingdom is about learning to rest in Him. Learning that He is enough, even as we work diligently to see the kingdom increase more in our lives and in our community. Jesus was the prime example of this. His story was anchored in the ultimate story God had for His world. Philippians chapter 2, Paul tells us that you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. on the cross, It didn't matter what his story called for. He was obedient to God because he was anchored in the story God was writing since the foundation of the earth. In John chapter 5, Jesus is talking with his disciples and he says this. My father is always at his work. Always. Even when it doesn't seem like he's working, he is always at his work to this very day. And I, too, am working. Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by Himself. He can only do what He sees the Father doing. Because what the Father does, the Son also does. Again, Jesus showing us His story anchored in God's story. And His individual story swallowed up in God's ultimate story. And He was God. How much more is he our example? In John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. In Luke 19.10, Jesus said, The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You see, for Jesus, he had a clear picture of what God's story was. And he did because he was anchored in the word of God. He was anchored in prayer. He he quietly and often withdrew by himself to pray, to communicate with the Father, to make sure that his story was wrapped up in God's story. And whether Jesus was ministering to the masses or whether Jesus was speaking one-on-one to a woman at the well, Jesus lived out his story, knowing he was partnering with God no matter what he was doing. Whether people responded to him favorably favorably, or tried to stone him, Jesus knew he was anchored in God's story. Whether it benefited him or whether it cost him everything, Jesus was obedient because he was anchored in the story God was writing. And he made a decision long before the moment came. Jesus did not make a decision to allow himself to be crucified in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus made that decision when they founded the earth. He was crucified before the beginning of the world. You and I cannot wait until we're finding ourselves in a pressure moment or situation to surrender our will to the Father. That decision has to be made today no matter what you and I face this week. We have to anchor ourselves in the story that God is writing. No matter how we're treated or mistreated, we anchor ourselves in the story that God is writing and know that he's writing not only our story, but the story for our entire world. As a result of living that way, Jesus changed the entire world forever. And he's called you and I to partner with him in doing just the same. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew five sixteen, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Not I am the light of the world. Did Jesus did say he was the light of the world, but he's calling us into that same level of partnership. So don't make the excuse that Jesus was God because he has put his spirit, God himself, inside of you and I, and we are able to follow in his steps. And sometimes we actually realize what's happening And we realize that we're part of something grander than we've ever imagined. But sometimes we may work our entire lives and question whether we did anything of value. But I promise you, if you stay faithful to God, obedient to him, and you anchor yourself in his story, you will know that God is at work in your lives. You trust the larger part of the story. I referenced last week the story of the karate kid and how he was learning how to do karate even though he did not realize he was learning to do karate and a lot of times in our lives that's what's happening and here's the thing we look at our world and sometimes we get overwhelmed we look at our community maybe right now and and get overwhelmed there's so so much to do who can do it all this last week i i mean i had a full day on friday and they the community put out a plea to help remove some debris and i'm like i just there's i've very small window. I could probably only even be there an hour. What point would it be to be there? And yet, the thought of this sermon resonated in my mind. It's not about doing everything. It's just about doing something. And so not only was I able to connect with some friends and some people that I hadn't seen in a while, but I was able to clear a few branches and get the wonderful smell of heaven pine as I did it. And so... For those of you that didn't know, heaven smells like pine. I mean, I know there's a His Essence candle, but that's completely off. Heaven smells like a pine tree. Um, At least my version of heaven. (laughs) And so God has a masterful way of taking what we put in His hands, as small and as insignificant as it seems, and bringing it together into the story that He's writing for our world. There's a story about a man that was one day walking on a beach, and he noticed that the tide had brought in all of these starfish, and they were all over the beach. There were thousands of them that had been washed in with the tide and left on the beach and obviously dying. And he looked in the distance and he saw a little boy taking the starfish one at a time and throwing them back into the, the ocean. And the man at first was, was intrigued by it and then he began to question uh, in this sea of starfish, like why is this boy trying to get all of those starfish back into the, the sea? There's no way he can accomplish that. And so the man gets closer and he comes up to the boy and he says, young man, what are you, what are you doing? Like, you'll never, you'll never get all of these starfish back into the, the sea before they die. Like, what are, you, what are you doing? Why does it even matter? And the little boy just simply continued to work and he picked up a starfish and he threw it into the ocean and he looked the man in the eye and says, it matters to that one. It matters to that one. And I love that story because that story is a story we tell often to our staff at Royal Family Kids Camp. And Royal Family Kids Camp is a camp that we, back in 2016, seven years ago, as a church, began to sponsor. And we put on a camp every year with the help of other churches in our community, other people in our community. Um, This goes beyond just one church. We help sponsor it, but there are people from all over the state that come and help us serve, people from all over the country. Uh, We've had people from Indiana and from Michigan that have come to serve at our camps and to to make a difference in the lives of some foster children. And we give them one week of camp to just be a kid. Many of them have faced trauma and abuse and different things in their lives, and they have taken on responsibility even as young as six and seven that – Even adults have not even taken on. And so we give them a week to just put all of that aside and be a kid and experience and encounter the love of God through an adult and through adults that just surround them and love on them. And I have known about Royal Family Kids Camp for a number of years and I always wanted to to be a part of it. We just needed a director. And so I began to pray for a director, and then when my wife came to me one year at district council and said, I feel like God is calling me to be the director, I said, I think you need to ask again, Um, (laughs) because I I didn't want it to be in our home, I just didn't want to uh, take on that level of responsibility, I wanted to help and I wanted to serve, but I knew the cost that would be associated with it, but the more she prayed, the more she felt like somebody had to do something, and she answered that call. And she will herself will tell you she is not a camp director, she's not geared for it, she's not wired for it, she's not, that's not how she processes or thinks, but she has done a tremendous job of keeping our camp going for seven years, and she's always had someone that comes alongside of her and serves as the assistant director to help where she is weak. And as we have trained our staff over the years, as I've gone to trainings and I've been a part of corporate staff, I have always believed that Royal Family Kids Camp is a great model of kingdom living. We give ourselves for an entire week to people that need to experience the love of God. And we train and teach people to use understanding and empathy. People make personal sacrifices and there's a cost involved. And all week long, we understand that we have a role at camp and we may not like it. Or we may not want to do it, but we do it because we understand it's a part of the bigger picture of what is happening at camp and in the lives of these students. And we learn the strengths and weaknesses of other staff members, and we, we adjust, and we work together because we know that this is how that person's wired, and this is why they're acting this way, and I need to adjust and maybe act this way, and I know that I feel overwhelmed today, but I can do this. And I know this, this camp changes lives. And I think every year after camp, I'm like, God, why can't we do that all the time? And I know that sometimes at camp, we see the difference. From Monday to Friday, you can tangibly see the walls come down. Because we have taken them out of an environment, and we have inundated them day and night with the love of God. And sometimes it breaks down the wall, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes they go, and it doesn't even make a difference in their lives, but we trust that seeds are always growing, and God is always working. One of these camps, we had an opportunity to have a staff member that was a a foster child themselves. And this young man came for an interview, because everyone has to be interviewed, and I remember during the interview process, he he told us he was an atheist. Uh, He had experienced a lot of pain, a lot of abuse, a lot of mistreatment in his life. And all that he experienced had told him there is not a God. And is it okay if he comes to camp even though he's an atheist? And sure, you can come to camp even though you're an atheist. And he has the biggest heart of anyone I've ever known. Oh, okay, I'm better. And um, I just remember anything we needed done just dove in and did it just a heart for the camp a heart for the the people he served as a git which is a guide in training because they're 15 years old they can't work one-on-one with any of the the children and so they just serve in a kind of a, a help role and I remember the last night of camp we I was sitting in the corner there's a big glow party dance party going on we're playing all kinds of music and you know can't stop this feeling and All kinds of stuff, let it go. And uh, it was just great. And the kids are having a great time. And I'm observing all of this. And this git came over and sat beside me and began to tell me more of his story. I knew some of it. Um, And he began to weep and began to talk about the love of God that he began to experience that week. And in the middle of that conversation, (laughs) so bizarre that this was not a church service and there was not. Christian music, you know, the Holy Spirit was so at work. Um, And he looked at me and said, if I had met Christians like this earlier in my life, I wouldn't be an atheist today. And that struck me, not because I'm like, oh, yes, pat us on the back. But instantly I wondered, if I had met this person outside of camp, would I have treated them the same way as I did during camp? I couldn't answer yes I don't know I might have looked at the rough exterior and maybe the language or maybe the the just the inappropriate behavior and I may have responded differently outside of camp and it just resonated in my heart again that camp Tom needs to become all the time Tom as a result of that week he surrendered his life to Christ That's the story and the power of the transforming love of God. That's why I believe in camps and retreats and sending our kids to summer camp and taking them out of their environment for a week and getting them inundated with the love of God and the power of God because it changes people's lives. I believe that. But the question is, what happens when it only is a part of their week? What happens if we try to live this way outside of camp and we try to experience the love of God, but it's not out of their normal environment, it's in their normal environment? And what if it's only one part of their entire week? How long does it take for the love of God to chisel away at them when we see how long it takes even with a whole week of inundated with it? And I know it would take a long time sometimes. Sometimes God could do it in an instant, absolutely. But sometimes it's going to take years of us just sowing love into people's lives for that love to break through. And the question is, as a church, are we willing to pay that price? Are we willing to be the tangible love of God and look past people's failures and flaws and give that same type of understanding and empathy? Can we get past how someone's behavior is impacting us in a negative way and see the value of them and sow love into them? I'm not just talking about being nice to people and being kind to people. I'm talking about taking the love of God that you and I have received and depositing it in the lives of other people. Because I believe his love is powerful enough to work in their lives and to watch over it. The thing is, is people in the world can be kind without the love of God. They can and they are. A lot of people in our society do great things for people, and they serve, they respond, and there's no... And when they serve, and when we deposit the love of God into people's lives, on the surface, it looks exactly the same. But if you are filled with the spirit and power and love of God, it is never the same. You are depositing something far beyond just being nice to someone. You're depositing the love of God. That's being anchored in the story that God is writing. And you may never get to harvest that fruit, but you are planting seeds or you are watering seeds and you are being a part of what God is doing in their lives. And I want to challenge us today. By the way, if you've never been to Royal Family Kids Camp, there's a place for you. Every one of you. We have room for all of you in this room and all of you watching online. We have room for all of you. So uh, you could talk to Christy after service, talk to me, we'll get you pointed in the right direction. If you can give a week in July to be at camp, we need you, they need you, and it will change your life, I promise. But the core values of Royal Family Kids Camp is what I want us to end with today. And there are three of them that I want to give you over the next few moments, and I won't take long to do that. But I believe if we are going to be anchored in the story of God and live this out day after day after day, these three... Four values need to be a part of our lives. The first one is this. Treat people royally. Every human being has been made in the image of God. And sometimes that image gets marred by sin. But his image is on every human being that you will encounter this week. And we are called to treat them accordingly. We never treat people as they deserve. We always treat them as God himself has treated us. In Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, some translations say while we were his enemies, Christ died for us. The scripture links together this concept of loving God and loving people. Jesus in Matthew 22 brings those together and says the first and greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And another is just like it. Love your neighbor who is like yourself. What Jesus is doing in essence is if you say you love God, it's going to be seen in how you love your neighbor. In fact, John tells us if you claim to love God whom you don't see, but you do not love your neighbor who you do see, the love of God is not in you. Because the love of God transforms us. It shows, it reminds us that we have been treated in ways we never deserved. And what we did deserve, we've never seen. And that love flows through us to others. When the apostles write about it, they drop the love of God. Now, that doesn't mean it's not implied. It's totally implied. But in places like Galatians chapter 5, verse 14, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor who's like yourself. Because you can't do that if you don't have the love of God in you. So what's implied in that statement is that you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It's just showing up in loving your neighbor who's like yourself. Romans 13, 9, James 2, 8 is repeated. Those, that same verse will be found in those places. We respond to people differently than the world around us. So the question that I hope resonates in your mind as you go throughout this week is how do you respond to the people that we interact with day by day? Are we depositing the powerful love of God in their lives? Are we speaking life? Are we speaking hope? Will the interactions we have with them make it easier for someone to lead them to Christ or will it push them to become an atheist? This week, maybe you've had the opportunity to encounter different people throughout the community. Maybe you were one of the lucky ones to have a taco when the power was taken out of every building in town except for Taco John's. And maybe you were one of the lucky ones that got a taco. And let me ask you this, is the way that you treated the employees at Taco John's on that day going to make it awkward if they sit next to you in church next Sunday? Because unfortunately, some of us let the the craving for a taco get bigger than life itself. And we mistreated the very people that were there trying their best to serve. See, that's what gets lost sometimes in our day-to-day lives. And I get it. There's pressure on us. And I get it. We all have schedules to keep. And I'm not sitting here saying I've never been guilty of it. I've been guilty probably more than all of you. I just refuse to stay there. Because I want to be someone who treats people royally because of the value that God has placed on them. While we were his enemies, he demonstrated his love for us by laying down his life for us. When he was mistreated, he did not retaliate. When he was falsely accused, he remained silent. He entrusted himself to his father who was writing his story and a grander story. When we are mistreated, Notice I said when, not if. Because if you and I are going to live out this kingdom life, we will be mistreated. When we are mistreated, we need to remember who we are. We're children of God, filled with His Spirit, anchored to His story. And you and I have the ability to treat others the same way that He has treated us. So when you are tempted to treat others as they deserve, remember that every single one of us need and needed more grace than any of us would ever want to admit. And every single day, we need to treat every single person royally. Number two, make moments matter. Make moments matter. That's our second core value at Royal Family Kids Camp. And I was taught when I was in Bible college to preach to one person the same way you would preach to thousands. If you sit in a room with maybe a handful of people and you preach to a handful of people, you will always preach to a handful of people. But if you value those people and you study and you prepare yourself and you preach to that room like there are thousands in that room, then you value them, then you will preach to thousands. And even if you don't, you will ensure that those people hear the word of God in all of its glory. And I've never forgotten that. And Make Moments Matter is not only about preaching, it's about living every moment of our lives as if everyone is watching us. Not in fear, but because we want the glory of God to shine, even in the darkest places. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 5, the apostle says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, make the most of every opportunity. Now at camp, we make moments matter, and it's easy to do that for a week, but this is sometimes really difficult in the midst of our day-to-day schedules and routines and, and appointments and uh, cr- time crunch, and it's sometimes hard to make every moment matter. And sometimes we're guilty of going on these grand mission trips or serving on the worship team or in Kidman or uh, preaching a sermon and then going out to a restaurant and acting like a jerk. Yeah, we're very guilty of that. In fact, it's widely known in the restaurant world that Sunday lunch crowd is not the best crowd to serve. Usually they don't tip the best, and a lot of times they complain the worst. That's a shame. I hope that's not the case in Huron. And I've often heard people say, well, I won't tip more than I give the Lord, and He requires 10%, so I'm not going to tip more than 10%. My advice to you, start giving the Lord more. Because we live in a culture that expects that we tip 15 to 20%. And I don't really care if we agree with that or not. If we don't agree with it, stay home and cook for yourself. If you go out to eat, buy into the cultural expectation and tip. And when the service is poor, tip more. Because you're you're depositing the love of God and you're breaking entitlement off of your own heart. That's just my advice. It's not in the Bible. So take what you want from that. But we, serve, we live in a day where we, there's just a lack of commitment, where people don't want to commit to the day-to-day grind like we used to. I mean, Pastor, I'll serve a church, but I, I can't commit to every week. I mean, I can't commit to being involved day after day, week after week. I mean, I just don't have time for it. And unfortunately, when we don't have time to sow those same seeds day after day, week after week, we don't get to participate in the larger story that God is writing. Now, I get it. All of our schedules are different. This isn't a guilt trip I'm trying to lay on anyone, and you should serve as you can. But I think there's value in making a commitment to someone and keeping that commitment through thick and thin. Edward Kimball was a Sunday school teacher back in the 1850s. So Edward volunteered to teach Sunday school week week after week after week after week after week after week. And if you've ever taught Sunday school, there are a lot of weeks you leave wondering if you're making any difference at all. In 1854, at the end of one of his classes, Edward Kimball gave the opportunity for the students to accept Christ as their Savior, and there was one boy in particular that declined. But Edward knew that that young boy worked at a shoe store downtown, and so Edward Kimball sought out that young man in the back storeroom of Holton's Shoe Store in Boston, Massachusetts, where that 17-year-old boy gave his life to Christ. Because Edward Kimball would teach a Sunday school week after week after week after week and would even go beyond that to go into that boy's circle and find him and seek him out and sow into his life, you may not know the name Edward Kimball, but I bet you know the name of that 17-year-old boy, Dwight L. Moody. Dwight Moody was called into ministry and became a powerful evangelist. He has got... A radio station named after him. He's got a school named after him. He has been credited with bringing over a hundred million people to the Lord, even before there was radio and TV and internet. That's pretty impressive. And one time, a pastor by the name of F.B. Meyer, who was a pastor in London, his elder board wanted him to bring Dwight Moody all the way to London for services. And F.B. B. Meyer wasn't a big fan of Moody, but he brought him, and the more he preached, the less he liked him, because Moody was far less educated than F.B. Meyer, and he preached such a simplistic message about Jesus that he didn't think it was good enough. But as he watched over several weeks the changes that began to take place in the lives of the people of his congregation with this simple message, the Lord used D.L. Moody to renew the passion and to freshen the vision of F.B. Meyer, which led him to lead J. Wilbur Chapman to the Lord. J. Wilbur Chapman took a trip to Chicago, and while he was in Chicago, he yet led a young baseball star to the Lord. Personal evangelism at its finest. The name of that baseball star was Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday became a powerful evangelist and revival preacher. At one of his services, while Billy was preaching, Mordecai Ham chose to be a follower of Jesus. And everyone's like, who is Mordecai Ham? Well, Mordecai Ham was one of the first tent revivalists back in the 1900s. And he was preaching a tent revival in North Carolina in 1936. And in 1936, on one evening, two young boys came to check out what was happening at the tent. And the tent was packed. There was not a place to sit. But there was a man and his wife in in that tent that saw the boys and got up from their seat and gave their seat to those two young boys so that they would stay for the meeting. And that night... A young 16-year-old, Billy Graham, gave his life to the Lord. Huh. Never underestimate the significance of one moment. You may not change the world, but if you minister to one young person in the back of a shoe store, you might have a trickle-down effect all the way to someone who will. We never know. The power of making one moment matter. Our last core value at Royal Family Kids Camp is keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. As we seek to treat people royally and make moments matter, you and I are going to come up short far more often than we like. We're going to fall down. And sometimes we're going to stay down for a while, but by all means, crawl. Just keep moving forward. We're going to face mistreatment. We're going to face difficulties and challenges. Keep moving forward. It's not uncommon when we're at camp to have a child scream, I hate you, and hit you. But we train our staff why that happens, and we respond By keep moving forward. We're playing the long game. We know that we're not there to fix anybody. We're there to be the hands and feet of Jesus for one week. And to let the love of God do its work. My question is, how do we handle those outbursts in real life? I'm not condoning the behavior of those who mistreat us. But by the power of the Spirit of God, can we overcome it? Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we reap a harvest if we do not give up. Are we willing to continue doing good when no one's watching, when we're not getting recognized, to do good even when we're mistreated, to do good when we don't feel like it? We just keep doing good because we're anchored to a bigger story that God is writing. One of my favorite evangelists when I was a child is a guy by the name of Michael Amico. You probably don't even know him. He wrote a book called The Quitting Point, Point*, and in it he talks about the disease that plagues our nation. He wrote it about 20 years ago, and that disease is called quititis. We've become conditioned to get instant results, and when we don't get instant results, we move on. We don't want to serve in a ministry that's not producing results for 20 years. Now, I, I get it. I, sometimes there's a time to change. Sometimes there's, we have to do things differently if we expect to get different results. I'm there. But sometimes we just have to be faithful when we know we're growing and we know God is working. Sometimes we just have to stay faithful and keep doing good. How long did Abraham and Joseph and Moses and David and Paul have to wait to see fruit in their lives? And you and I think that if we don't see it in a year, it's time to move on. We keep moving forward little by little and inch by inch because we believe that God is always working and we believe the kingdom seeds are always growing. We believe the word of God is powerful and it always produces fruit. We believe the love of God is powerful and it always has effects. And so we just refuse to quit. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14 says, This one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on. All of our successes are because of Him. And all of our failures are on us. But don't be anchored to either one, because none of that defines us. What defines us is the identity we've been given in Christ and the fact that you and I are anchored to a larger narrative that God is writing. Keep moving forward. You want to be a part of changing the world? Add these core values to your life and make the decision today that they will be the core values of your life no matter what you face this week. And be fully aware that when you make this commitment today, you will experience pushback. You will experience opposition from spiritual forces. You will experience opposition from people around you. You will experience opposition in circumstances. You will will receive pain and rejection and disappointment, but take heart because the one we're following by the name of Jesus experienced all of it before us, and he can sympathize with us in our weakness and empower us to overcome. So the challenge today is to overcome evil with good. To believe that God is always working and seeds are always growing. And to commit ourselves to treat people royally, to make moments matter, and to keep moving forward. To close today's service, I want to pray for all of us today. I'm not going to ask you to make the commitment. I'm going to help make it for you. And in a moment, I want to pray for all of us. and. Before I do that, I just want to make sure that every person in this room and every person watching online has had the opportunity to to do what all of those people, D.L. Moody, Billy Sunday, Mordecai Hamm, Billy Graham, had the opportunity to do, and that's surrender their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where this begins. This isn't a message to make you feel good and go out and change the world. Uh, We can't do it without His abiding presence. And that starts by acknowledging that we need Him. It starts by believing that He died in our place and by committing ourselves to follow after Him and to trust Him in no matter what we face. And so if you're in this room today or you're watching online and you've never made a commitment to follow Christ as your Lord and Savior, today you can make that commitment Today you can ask Him to be the Lord of your life and surrender to Him. And as I pray to close this this service, you can pray that prayer and you can invite Him to be the Lord of your life today. But I want to challenge you, if you pray that prayer today, reach out to me. Reach out either before you leave this room, or if you're watching online, give us a message, a Facebook message. You can send me a text message if you've got my number, and let us know that that's a commitment you made today, because we want to follow up, and we want to make sure to help you follow after the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, too. And so I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we close out our service today, and we are going to have a word of prayer, and I want to encourage you again just to put your hands out in a Receiving posture like this. These are the core values of Royal Family Kids Camp, and they're not necessarily the core values of uh, Restoration Church, but they're there. And we believe in these things strongly, and we want to live them out, and we know that without His help, we don't have a chance to live these out. And so, Heavenly Father, today we ask for your grace. We commit ourselves to you and to the narrative that you're writing. God, for those that are in this room, for those watching online that have never made a commitment to follow you, Holy Spirit, I pray work in their hearts and lives today. Fill in the gaps of the things that maybe I should have shared and didn't share. Help them to understand who you are and what you've done for them in a fuller way today. Give them grace to be able to to come into the kingdom. And God, for those of us today that have made that commitment to follow you, we commit ourselves afresh to the story, to the narrative that you're writing for this world. And we say, Holy Spirit, give us the grace to treat every person that we encounter this week royally. God, to know and see the value that you've placed on them. God, whether it's convenient for us or inconvenient, whether it's, it feels good for us or doesn't feel good, whether we'd rather give them a piece of our mind, help us, Holy Spirit, to give them a piece of heaven instead. Give us grace to treat people royally. Give us grace to make every moment matter. In the busiest moments of our week, when the pressure is at its highest, God, help us to value the person that's standing in front of us, to deposit in them what we have in our hands. God, we don't have to change the world. Help us to be faithful with what's in our hands. God, as you've challenged us today, help us to be faithful to follow through with that commitment. Give us the grace to serve day after day, week after week, God, in our families, in our workplaces, in the ministries you've called us to, and in this community. And God, when we fall, help us to stand again and to keep moving forward. Give us the grace that we need to not get weary in doing good, but to continue to do good, knowing that we will reap a harvest, knowing that you are the one that is rewarding us, knowing that you are the one that is writing the story of our lives and the story of the world around us. God, to give us grace to continue to move forward, we pray in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. Thank you for being here today. I want to encourage you again to stop by the table before you leave. Pick up the the information that's there as well. Offering baskets are there. The, some have been asking about the help fund. Uh, We are helping different families with needs during this time. Uh, If you want to be a part of that, we're using the funds from the Help Fund. So that basket is out there. Uh, You can use the baskets that that are there or you can give online. All of those are there as well. God bless you as you go today.